Today's Monday, July 17th, 2023, and this is 5 at 8. With you today are Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman. In this episode, we will talk about explosions hitting the Kerch Bridge, scorching weather affecting three continents, Russia taking control of Danone and Carlsberg subsidiaries, record high youth unemployment in China, and U.S. Special Envoy John Kerry's talks in China on reducing methane emissions and addressing climate change. Story number one. According to The Guardian, explosions have reportedly hit the Kerch Bridge, a crucial road and rail link connecting the Crimean Peninsula to Russia. Traffic heading towards the bridge has been stopped, and a ferry service between Crimea and Russia has also been paused. This is the second time the bridge has been targeted, posing a significant blow to Russian military prestige. The bridge is a symbol of Russia's occupation of Crimea and serves as a key supply route for Russian troops and the naval base at Sevastopol port. If the damage is confirmed, Russia will have limited ground supply lines to sustain its troops in occupied areas. Will you look at that, Linda? The Kerch Bridge, a symbol of Russia's hold on Crimea, has reportedly been hit by explosions. Reminds me of how bridges and railroads were targeted during the World War II to disrupt enemy supply lines. This is a clear case of strategic sabotage, aimed at hindering Russian troop mobility and logistics. And let's face it, it's a significant blow to Russia's military prestige. Well, Mark, I see where you're coming from, but I'm not entirely in agreement. While it does seem like an act of sabotage intended to disrupt logistics, we also need to consider the symbolic implications of this act. The Kerch Bridge is not just an infrastructure project. It's a monument symbolizing Russia's occupation of Crimea. Damaging it sends a powerful message of resistance to Russian control. That's a fair point, Linda. The bridge does have symbolic value. But let's not forget the practical implications here. This bridge is a key supply route and any damage to it could seriously hamper Russia's military operations in Ukraine. We're talking about food, fuel, and military supplies here. Not to mention, if the bridge is indeed destroyed, Russia's evacuation plans might take a hit. Mark, I see your point about the immediate logistical implications. Yet I believe that the symbolic victory can carry substantial weight as well. It can boost morale among the Ukrainian forces and their allies. It's not just about the physical damage to the bridge, but the psychological impact it has on both sides. And remember, psychological warfare is a critical element in any conflict. Ah, you got me there, Linda. Psychological warfare does play a crucial role. And a hit on a symbol like the Kerch Bridge could indeed boost Ukrainian morale. But let's not lose sight of the fact that this is a disruption in a critical supply line. It could potentially alter the course of the conflict on the ground. That's a big deal, too. I agree, Mark. We can't downplay the practical effects of this event on the ground. But it's also important to recognize the power of symbolism in warfare and how it can influence the course of a conflict. The destruction of a symbol can send a powerful message and galvanize people. So, in essence, we're looking at a scenario where the physical and the symbolic are intricately tied together. Story number two. Scorching weather is affecting three continents, with Asia, Europe, and the United States experiencing high temperatures and wildfires. In Japan, heat stroke alerts have been issued to millions of people as temperatures reach near record highs. The United States is also facing a powerful heat wave, with California's Death Valley potentially surpassing 54 degrees Celsius. In Europe, Italy is preparing for a historic heat wave, with temperatures expected to reach 40 degrees Celsius in Rome. 
Parts of Asia have also been hit by torrential rain and flooding. Al Jazeera reports that experts attribute these extreme weather events to climate change. Would you look at that, Linda? Three continents are experiencing scorching heat, wildfires, and potential record-breaking temperatures. It's madness! What's your take on this? It, it's a quite alarming situation. The extreme heat waves and wildfires across Asia, Europe, and the United States are indicative of the increasing severity and frequency of such events. The scorching weather not only affects the health and well-being of people, but also poses significant threats to the environment and the economy. Right, right. It's like we're stuck in a hot, dry loop. And it's not just the heat, right? Torrential rainfalls and floods are wreaking havoc in parts of Asia, too. So, I mean, what's going on here? Well, Mark, these extreme weather events are typically associated with climate change. Global warming, largely due to our dependence on fossil fuels, is believed to be intensifying these events. While attributing a particular weather event to climate change is not straightforward, the overall pattern and increasing frequency are hard to ignore. Yeah, I've heard that before. The EU's Climate Monitoring Service said the world saw its hottest June on record last month. But, uh, what are we doing about it? Are we just going to sit back and watch? Not at all, Mark. Climate change is now a global priority. Countries around the world are taking steps to reduce their carbon emissions and invest in renewable energy. However, it's evident that we need to do more and act faster. The situation calls for a concerted global effort and perhaps more innovative strategies. I sure hope we can turn this around, Linda. We owe it to our planet and future generations. But, uh, what about people like Juan, the construction worker from Texas? It's folks like him who bear the brunt of these extreme conditions. You're absolutely right. It's crucial to address the immediate impacts of these events, especially for the most vulnerable populations. Governments and organizations need to ensure adequate measures are in place to protect and support these individuals. Long-term solutions, however, will require addressing the root cause, our current climate crisis. Story number three. Russia has taken control of the Russian subsidiaries of Danone and Carlsberg, placing them under temporary management of the state as reported by the BBC. This move comes after Russia introduced rules allowing it to seize assets of firms from unfriendly countries. Both Danone and Carlsberg were in the process of selling their Russian operations. The shares of Danone Russia and Carlsberg-owned Baltica breweries are now under the control of Russian property agency Rosimus Chestvo. Danone said it is currently investigating the situation and will take necessary measures to protect its rights while Carlsberg stated it had not received any official information regarding the decree. Would you look at that, Linda? Russia seizing control of Danone and Carlsberg's operations? It's a hard-nosed move, but you've got to see it in the context of the economic sanctions and business withdrawals they've been facing since the Ukraine conflict. Yes, Mark, but we can't just brush this off as a simple tit-for-tat response. It's an alarming violation of private property rights and could potentially discourage international companies from investing in Russia. Remember the expropriation of American assets in Cuba during Castro's rule? It had serious long-term consequences. I hear you, Linda, but let's not forget the other side of the coin. These actions are often driven by a need to maintain control and stability in a turbulent economic environment. For instance, Iran's nationalization of oil in the 1950s was a move to assert sovereignty over their resources. Interesting point, Mark, but the consequences of such actions can be far-reaching and damaging. Think about the potential disruptions to supply chains and the economic fallout. Moreover, 
the ethical implications can't be ignored. It's like forcing a player to hand over their chess pieces in the middle of a game. Well, Linda, that's one way to see it. But from another angle, it can also be viewed as a strategic move to protect national interests during a time of crisis. The key question is how companies and countries negotiate these complex situations while balancing business interests with policy pressures. Yes, Mark. That's a crucial point. But we also need to consider the potential damage to diplomatic relations. Actions like these can escalate tensions and make it even harder to find common ground. It's a delicate balancing act, and the stakes are high. Story number four. According to the BBC, youth unemployment in China has reached a new record high as the country's post-pandemic recovery slows down. Official figures show that the jobless rate for 16 to 24-year-olds in urban areas rose to 21.3% last month. China's economy grew by 0.8% in the second quarter, falling short of analysts' expectations. The weak pace of growth has raised expectations for new measures to boost the economy. Youth employment is closely monitored as a record number of university graduates are expected to enter the job market this year. Unemployment among young people demands more direct policy responses as they are vocal online, and their discontent may lead to a wider loss of confidence in the economy. Has it ever struck you, Linda, how the current spike in China's youth unemployment is somewhat reminiscent of the post-2008 situation in the U.S.? I mean, the figures are staggering. 21.3% of 16 to 24-year-olds in urban areas jobless. That's a record high. And the economy only growing by 0.8% in the three months to the end of June. The comparison with post-2008 U.S. is quite apartment. But one needs to consider the unique factors affecting China. The mismatch between the education received by graduates and the jobs available is a significant contributor. It's not just about providing jobs, but also about ensuring the jobs align with the skills and training of the youth. Right, right. It's not enough to just churn out jobs. They've got to match the skills the folks have. And with a record 11.58 million university graduates set to enter the job market this year, that's a real challenge. What do you think could be the potential fallout of such high youth unemployment, Linda? Well, Mark, high youth unemployment could lead to a range of social and economic problems. From an increase in crime rates to social unrest, the ripple effects can be far-reaching. Economically, it could mean a slowdown in consumption, which would further hamper economic growth. In the long term, it could lead to a lost generation of workers. Yeah, yeah, a lost generation. That's a scary thought. So what's the answer, Linda? How does China, or any country in a similar situation for that matter, start to turn this around? That's a complex question, Mark. But I think a multifaceted approach is necessary. On one hand, there needs to be a shift in the education system to better align academic training with market needs. On the other hand, policies need to be implemented to stimulate economic growth and job creation. It's also essential to provide support for the unemployed, such as job placement programs and unemployment benefits. Story number five. U.S. Special Envoy on Climate John Kerry has arrived in China for talks focused on reducing methane emissions, limiting coal use, and addressing climate change in poor countries, as reported by Al Jazeera. The discussions aim to revive efforts to combat global warming and stabilize the strained relationship between the two countries. Kerry's visit follows previous high-level U.S. visits to China this year. The talks will also likely touch on China's objections to U.S. tariffs on solar panel and battery components, 
The discussions come as the world experiences record-setting heat, believed to be exacerbated by climate change. Should be interesting to see how this plays out, Linda. John Kerry's visit to China is a critical moment for U.S.-China relations and for our global response to climate change. Despite the current trade disputes and political tension, this is a clear sign that both countries understand the gravity of the climate crisis and the need for cooperation and shared action. The complexities of this situation can't be overstated. On one hand, we've got geopolitical tensions and economic competition. On the, on the other, there's the undeniable reality of climate change. We can't afford to let our differences distract us from the urgency of this crisis. And while we're on this topic, let's not forget how these talks can shape global climate negotiations. Remember, the U.S. and China played a pivotal role in laying the foundation for the Paris Climate Accord. This goes to show how powerful these countries' commitments could be on the global stage. Oh, certainly. And yet, it's a delicate balance. The ongoing trade disputes, accusations of spying, and the issue of human rights in China— all these factors have been obstacles in the path of a productive dialogue. This, this is a test of our ability to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, and focus on the pressing issue at hand. Couldn't agree more, Linda. The stakes are high, but the potential rewards are even higher. Imagine what could be achieved if the world's two largest greenhouse gas emitters could find common ground and lead the way in battling climate change. Now that would be something, wouldn't it? Yes, it's a hopeful thought, Mark. But we also need to be realistic. For instance, China's recent return to coal usage is a major concern. They've issued the highest number of new permits for coal plants since 2015, in spite of the added renewable energy. Such moves underscore the challenges we face, not just in terms of climate change, but also in terms of energy security and market dynamics. True, Linda. But we can't lose sight of the ultimate goal. It's crucial that we address these issues head on. Finding solutions that not only mitigate climate change, but also promote sustainable economic growth. It's a tall order, but I believe we're up to the task. I share your optimism, Mark. Let's hope that this diplomatic effort can pave the way for meaningful, sustainable action on climate change. We can't afford anything less. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.